we're going to continue this uh, focus that we've had for the last uh, several weeks on relationship. Remember, if we, at the very beginning, we talked about relationship with God, the, the fact that God desires to be in active relationship with us, and has made that possible through the, the shed blood of Messiah Yeshua. It's by God's action on our behalf that relationship with him is possible, all right? And in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about relationship amongst ourselves and the fact that in our world today, relationship is becoming problematic. People are having a harder and harder time having deep, meaningful relationships. Remember we talked about connected but not connecting. We're all connected. Even now, some of you are on your phones. We're all connected but are we truly connecting with one another, especially deeply, all right? Loneliness among young people is, is getting to be an epidemic. And I have a couple of articles I printed out, one of them related to suicide, all right? Part of the problem with suicide is people don't feel anyone cares, they lose hope, all right? So relationship matters deeply. People can go on without you know, food and water despite difficult circumstances, you know, financially, if they know that others care about them, that there's relationships that sustain them through difficult times. But without relationship, you know, people really, really, really struggle and, and die within, all right? And that's why I've been talking about this. Uh, this morning, what I want to do is I'm going to talk about uh, communication. This is a message I'm going to give credit to Ted Kirschberg for from many years ago at the Olive Tree Congregation. Now he's up at Rock of Israel or Vineyard or whatever they call the congregation up in Long Grove. Uh, but he had gave, gave a message listing the four rules of communication. I'm sure you got it from somebody else. But I took his basic core elements and uh, I've used it for years uh, because we all struggle with communication, don't we? Anybody ever say the wrong thing? <laughs> You've never said the wrong thing. You don't talk, okay? We all say the wrong thing sometime, all right? We, we, we get angry or we get upset or we use words that uh, miscommunicate what we're really trying to talk about and we offend people. Happens all the time. Uh, you remember the phrase, sticks and stones may break by my bones, but names will never hurt me, right? Totally false, all right? Totally false. Uh, there's this one guy who said, uh, uh, Herb Warren, he had a poem that said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, uh, I'll read that afterwards, but he wrote a little ditty about it. I'm going to uh, read two illustrations, both of which are, I think, uh, helpful in regards to words. First of all, pianist Arthur Rubinstein, fluent in eight languages, was assailed by a stubborn case of hoarseness. The newspapers were full of reports about smoking and cancer. So he decided to consult a throat, th uh, throat specialist. I searched his face for a clue. During the 30-minute examination, Rubenstein said, but it was expressionless. He told me to come back the next day. I went home full of fears, and I didn't sleep that night. The next day, there was another long examination, and again, an ominous silence. Tell me, the pianist explained. I can stand the truth. I've lived a rich, full life. What's wrong with me? The physician said, you talk too much. Can anybody relate to that? I know I can. Try this one. Too many words? How about wrong words? The Karankawa Indians who used to inhabit the lower Gulf Plains of Texas and Mexico 
met their demise in the middle of the Texas Revolution in 1836. It seems that Captain Philip DeMitt, who owned a ranch north of present-day Corpus Christi, used to give the Caracawas beef whenever they were in the area. At the outbreak of the revolution, however, DeMitt left his ranch to serve with the Texans, so the uh, revolutionaries. In DeMitt's absence, the Indians rounded up a few cattle. As they ate the beef, a party of Mexican soldiers rode up and demanded to know what they were doing. We are Captain DeMitt's friends, the Karankawas replied. When the Mexicans heard this, they attacked, killing many and causing the rest to flee. The remaining Karankawas later met a party of Texans. Fearing another assault, the Indians began shouting, Viva la Mexico! Viva la Mexico! Immediately, the Texans attacked, and only a few of the hapless Karankawas escaped. Anybody talk too much? Anybody ever use the wrong language, the wrong words? We all do. We all do. The thing we're going to talk about today, the text we're going to talk about today, is very simple. Hopefully you've read it many times. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. So turn with me in the scriptures to the book of Ephesians. We are on page... 1,120, page 1,120, actually 1,121 in uh, our congregational Tanakh. And these four rules are very simple. I've conveniently put them on the back page of the, new, of the announcement sheet for you to look at. And of course, this is all related to our ongoing uh, series of messages about the topic of relationship. It's about relationship. And again, our synagogue values talk about intentional community life. To truly relate to one another, as in any genuine relationship, we can at times find that our words do not communicate the way we think they do. That we hurt one another, even if we don't mean to. Our intentional community life, we talk about intergenerational growth and relationship. Do young people sometimes not relate effectively in their communication with older people? Sure they do. Sure they do. Encouraging transparency and accountability. That means that you need to be open enough that people can see you and and talk to you. And if you really are transparent and open with people, at times they will say things to you that might hurt a bit. How do you respond to that? Building community through hospitality in our synagogue and our homes. To create hospitality is to let people into your life and they might see things about you that cause them to question. Or maybe your familiarity, as we all know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? You might, and because of that familiarity, step over some lines in your communication. There needs to be honesty and transparency even in that communication, lest we offend or we hold grudges because of the offense. Prioritizing congregational activities in our daily lives. Spending enough time with one another. You know, if you only roll in here and see people once a week, you really don't know anybody. You don't know anybody. And then finally, residing in proximity to our community. And this is important and it's hard. All of these I know are difficult in our time. But prioritizing spending time more than once a week and living in close proximity that gives you the opportunity to spend enough time with people that you actually get to know them. And how long does it take to get to know somebody? It takes a while. It takes a while. Even people, when they first get married, they don't really know one another until they've lived together for a couple of years. 
It's true. Because it takes a while to really get to know somebody. All right? Even now, I've been married for 31 years, and sometimes I still don't understand my wife. All right? Just reality of the depth of relationship and the complexity of who we are as individuals. So let's take a look at the text. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. It says, So lay aside lying, and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let's just stop there. The first rule of communication is honesty. Just flat out honesty. You know, I, maybe you don't go around and, and live a completely false life. But so often people hide situations and circumstances in their lives because it's easier to say us a white lie than it is to necessarily talk about what is true. Maybe what, what's going on is it's not some horrific thing like, uh, oh yeah, I happen to be a serial killer. I kill every third person I meet. You're number three? <laughs> no. But there are things in our lives at times that we don't want to talk about because they bring shame. And we don't want to be honest about it. But how can we truly be a community with one another if we're not really honest? We need to learn to be honest with one another. Also, I think that has to come with the way we interact. Um, I mean, people often ask me for my opinion. And I, I, most often I think they really, don't know, they really don't want to know my opinion. They want me to be more affirming of their own opinion. You know? And if you know anything about me at all, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think. Whether you like it or not, you have to deal with what, you know, if you ask my opinion, then, then, then I'm going to share it. And I don't want to be offensive, but I'm going to share what my opinion is. I think that, that there's good ways and bad ways of doing it. I, of course, uh, I'm the, cover the entire gray scale of that at times. But here, the idea is speaking the truth with kindness. Not only do we need to be truly honest in the way we deal with one another, I think at times, always, we need to speak the truth with kindness in terms of what we see in other people. The other day, <laughs> I'm not going to mention baby lips. The other day, an individual was walking around with a zipper down. All right? Well, we, we don't want to offend. What do we want to? We don't want to get involved. I mean, we, we'll embarrass him if we tell them. Oh, we'll just let him walk around with his zipper down. That's better. We need to understand that there are times we need to tell people what they need to hear, not what they necessarily want to hear, because what they need to hear is actually important and helpful for them. And it can be a little awkward. Maybe a little embarrassing, but we need to speak that kindness, speak that truth and that, that uh, reality in kindness, all right? It's extremely important in authentic relationship for people to be honest with one another. That's what in essence I'm saying. The second one we want to talk about is found in verses 26 to 27. It says, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger nor give the devil a foothold. These are, these are strong words. Some people that believe that any kind of anger, any kind of expression related to anger is wrong. Well, if that's the case, and you have to get on Messiah Yeshua, who got angry. I think that Shaul shows plenty of emotion in his writings. Passion, passion is good. And anger 
is a form of passion in expression, right? But what he's talking about here is the importance of, of not holding on to bitterness. Be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath, is the old phrase. Don't let the, the, uh, the day go by without reconciling. It's really important in marriage, especially, but in all relationships. So here, the, uh, the law or the rule is to keep current with people, dealing with feelings of anger immediately, all right? Dealing with, with emotions with people as soon as you are able to. If you either offend and you know you've offended or, or, or someone has offended you and maybe they don't know it, it's important to reconcile. It's important to be current, with that individual. Not to hold on to the bitterness or the anger. Not just to anger yourself. I always say grudges are great for no one. Because the guy you're angry with, he doesn't know what you're talking about for the last 20 years. And you, your entire life has been consumed in bitterness towards something that nobody cares about. Forgiving others as God has forgiven us. Do you realize that God has forgiven us for everything, all our sin. As followers of Messiah Yeshua, God has forgiven us of all our sin. Why do we find it so hard to forgive others? You know, we've been studying the book of 1 John. 1 John. I would encourage more of you to attend both the study on Wednesday nights as well as the Bob's study in Matthew uh, after, the, after the Kiddush. And in 1 John, we talk about, you know, the, you know, Really, the reality of what it means to be a follower of the Messiah, Yeshua. To be really saved. What does that look like? Well, one of the things it looks like, it's people that really their lives have changed. And the practice of sin is not something that they practice. As followers of Messiah, we sin. But you engage in an active practice of sin. I know people that profess faith in Yeshua who maintain bitterness and grudges. They're very easily provoked. That's terrible. It's horrible. I question whether some of these people at times are truly believers. Because how can you appreciate the forgiveness found in Messiah Yeshua if you yourself hold on to so much bitterness? You yourself find it so hard to forgive. How can we appreciate God's forgiveness if we are seemingly, some of us, incapable or forgiving others. The next, uh, uh, next rule is found in verses 29 and 30. It says, Let no harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need, so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Do not gr grieve the Ruach HaChodesh of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here, we're talking about the issue of, of attacking the problem and not the person. You know, it's it, some of these things I think, uh, uh, you know, there's a practical psychological reality to it. And uh, often I, I, I struggle with this because I just want to like, just, I, <laughs> people and their issues. But the truth of the matter is all of us are in process, right? Don't we all struggle in some way? If you're here and you're like, no, I got my whole act together, then we need to talk about humility <laughs> and really reflection but we all struggle. So we all struggle with, with issues, with problems. You know, if we're here and we are followers of Messiah Yeshua, God looks, us, looks at us as righteous people. 
What we need to understand is from our perspective, those issues in our own lives and in relationship with one another, at times we need to, to, to really directly confront one another in regards to our problems. But, another, but, but the point is, instead of like beating up the person, to effectively identify the problem and offer assistance and helping them to move beyond it. You know, every once in a while, where's Howard? <clears throat> Brian. I talked to them about smoking, which we talked about, right? And it's difficult. Smoking is incredibly difficult, all right? And if I wanted to, I could get all upset, and, but, but I recognize that this is a, a difficult issue. We all have different issues. Some of us struggle with anxiety. Anybody struggle with anxiety? Don't raise your hands. Anybody struggle with lust? Anybody struggle with just wasting their time? We just kind of have a list, right? We got problems. How can we effectively help one another? To, to grow in these problems. How do we help one another move forward? A couple of things that just written out here, dealing with the real point of contention with the objective of reaching a solution. If you are in a relationship with somebody that consistently, uh, you know, consi- easily and consistently uh, gets upset with you, and yet you value the relationship, How can you interact with that person in order to move your relationship forward and help them know how to better deal with other people and to have a stronger ability for interpersonal relationships? There are some people who really want to have relationships with others. They just struggle in knowing how to effectively do it. That's a lot of work. But that's what God calls us to do. Solutions must be, must be expressed in terms of action, active reconciliation, you know? Passivity, passivity doesn't work in relationship. That's connected but not connecting. Passivity doesn't work in relationship. Engagement does. And, and, and that's what's difficult about it, right? I mean, if you've got a situation where, where there's, just a, there's a break in relationship, I mean, it's very easy to just say, well, I mean, the person's in the community and we really don't get along, so I just don't talk to them. Well, how is that scriptural? (laughs) You know that there are people in this community that you don't really click with? It's reality. Certain personality types just don't click so well together. It's like, uh, what is it? It's two positives touching one another, like two magnets with positive repulses, right? Is that right? Where's my science, guys? Right? And, and of course, the scripture says that's totally cool. It's no problem. Right? That's what the Bible says? Never. How can we learn to connect? How can we learn to connect? Even when there are, in the, in the eyes of the world, in the natural order of things, it's difficult to connect. It's hard. We have to work at it. That can take a lot of time, a lot of work. One thing for sure is if we attack one another, it doesn't help. We have to find a way to engage with one another. We have to find a way to deal with the difficulties that hurt relationship without attacking and hurting one another. 
The last, take a look at the, the uh, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and quarreling and slander along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God and Messiah also forgave you. The importance of acting and not reacting. The importance of acting and not reacting. That's really important in relationship within community. I said this last week, maybe. We are here, not because we're all physically related. Some of us are related. But people come together within a body of faith because of the fact that God saved them. God brought them into relationship with him. You have your own story as to how that happened. You are here because God ordained you to be here. So we have to figure out how we're going to relate to one another. How do we live in relationship with one another? These four rules, being honest, keeping current, attacking the problem, not the person, acting and not reacting. These are just simple little rules keep in mind that we will constantly fail and need to try again on. But things that we need to do in order to effectively be in relationship with one another. And especially this last, this last section, being kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving, dying to ourselves is part of what, what it means to be in relationship with others. Marriage is never 50-50. It's always 100%, 100%. It's all of you seeking to be in an active relationship with another person. Within the body of Messiah, it's 100%, 100%. It's not just coming in, sitting in for a religious duty, walking out the door. That's not what it's about. That's what it's become. It's a great business, by the way, if you can figure out how to do that effectively. Because that's where the money is. Just throwing it out there. But true, authentic relationship costs. Few there are that truly want it. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love, just as Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a fragrant aroma. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for just the opportunity we have to be in community and to grow in relationship with one another through your scriptures, through doing what they say, which is hard. God, I pray that you would grant us understanding and wisdom. Help us, God, to be who you want us to be. Help us to mature personally in the way we interact with others. Help us as a community, to mature collectively as we better understand what it means to be in relationship with one another. Help us to truly be a spiritual mishpacha, a functioning, effective family of faith in our Messiah. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.